Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's here, the game. I can't think of a day I look more forward to. My guest feels the same way. It's her favorite week of the year. We're both old school, though, and we wish the game was played before Thanksgiving, but that's over with. Never going to happen again. The Angel of the Big House, beat writer Angelique Shengelis, joins us once again to preview the game. On Thursday, we'll be joined by the senior media guy covering Ohio State football, Tim May. He retired from the Columbus Dispatch after last season, sort of. He has his own podcast now, and he'll be with us to share his thoughts on this huge game on Saturday. Before we hear from Angelique, though, my view from Section 17 to start us off. I never thought I'd see Ohio State beat us 14 of 15 years. It is still just unimaginable it has reached this point. It has to change, though, some year, some Saturday. But is this the year? I'm not sure. We are playing our best football right now, and our offense is really hitting its stride under first-year O.C. Josh Gaddis. Shea Patterson, even though many in our fan base have doubted him, has proven to be a gutsy leader, and I think he's a big-time player. The moment is not too big for Shea, and we, of course, need him to play out of his mind this Saturday. People ask me if this is the best Ohio State team I've ever seen, and I'm honest when I say no. When I was a kid, I thought the 1969 team was the best I'd ever seen play, and we know what happened in the big house 50 years ago. Michigan rose up and took them down. This might be the best Ohio State team I've seen since. I'm withholding judgment until Saturday afternoon. I'm not sure we're going to see a repeat of that epic upset, but the stage is set, and as trite as this sounds, it is why we play the game. I don't care about their record, that the national media gets the vapors when they talk about Ohio State, or that they've beaten us 14 to 15 years. It's a new day. It's a new game. They're good, no doubt. Are they great? We'll see. I'm ready. Again, I'm not sure this is the year, but you know what? It can be. We can beat this team. We have to believe that and play out of our minds, too. It is the game. 
There is no other matchup in sports that holds a candle to it, and I can't wait. My guest today says we would be silly to write Michigan off in this game. As good as Ohio State is, they have to come in here and earn it. The Angel of the Big House is up next here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew, so stay with us. Here with your son, our Michigan game day segment as we get ready for the game. And this is, believe it or not, the ninth time in the last 10 years. Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. Welcome back, Angelique. Um, I'd like to know, Mike, where was I on that one time I missed? What, well, what happened? I remember it, and I know you do too. You were in that ice-cold Wisconsin press box oh up my God, there in that's... Madison, and you lost your voice. That's right, I did. That was just a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, I was miserable. It was just a few years ago. I totally forgot about that. And, I, you know, I didn't want to suggest that you were, you know, snubbing me. Uh, <laughs> but I, that Monday after that game, I was trying to ask Harbaugh a question, and I, I was, like, talking like this. <laughs> and he sort of, like, heard me, but he's like, well, is this what you're saying? <laughs> like, yeah, it really, uh, maybe I think uh, some of my colleagues probably would prefer me not having my voice. So, okay, I didn't mean to give you a hard time. I thought maybe you had uh, just forgotten me no, one year, no. but it was me. Ten years of this. Wow, that's incredible. I'm honored. I'm always well, honored. And, and here we go. And as you and I always say, it's our favorite week of the year for so many reasons. Uh, uh, this is a huge game. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I wanted to back up if we could, though, first, Angelique, mm-hmm. and talk about what we saw on Saturday in Bloomington, get a few of your thoughts, because um, that Indiana game, uh, it was a battle for, eh, you know, the better part of the first half. A lot of people Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be close all of the way. Indiana, you know, gave us uh, about a quarter and a half of really tough play. But again, we looked good on Saturday, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I, the only takeaway I have, the one maybe a semi-negative is, I think you got to score points off of a turnover. And they had one in the first half, and um, came away with the um, Nordine field goal. I mean, in the second half, pardon me. And um, you know, I just I, I think you got to get seven there. And that was my only like, if I was going to mark them down for anything, it would be that. But I, you know, I think you can you can say, well, the running game is not there. The last two weeks, they really haven't had the rushing yards like they had against Notre Dame and even at Maryland the next week. Yeah, but then you look at what uh, Shea Patterson's been doing: nine touchdowns in the last two games, and. Uh, looking like the guy that I think everybody expected he would be. And then you've got Nico Collins, you know, that giant body with great yeah. hands. And everybody, you know, I, I was flying back from Bloomington, and everybody's like, wow, I mean, didn't everybody know that he'd be a great target? And why don't people, why don't they just throw it to him every time? And, you know, I mean, that's not ideal either, but it was nice to see him being 
such an integral part of the offense and, and should be because of his size, his physicality, and his great hands. I mean, you know, he got targeted seven times. He got a pass interference. He had the six catches and the three touchdowns. That's hard to beat that kind of day. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just getting back to that running game thing, the last two weeks, and that's what I was thinking at first. We got to establish the running game. But, you know, in the last three or four years, we just kept pounding the ball in those situations, right. even if it didn't work. That's one of the things I think we have to give Josh Gaddis credit for. If these defenses are going to just stack the box, uh, we're going to throw the ball at them until they back off, and then you can balance out the running game, throw the bubble screens, just diversify your offense. That is a huge difference from the last couple of years. You're right, and maybe that's, you know, we're ingrained. We've watched his team just try to run up the middle when there's nothing there and try to get something, and and then they don't they don't get clever. They don't get interesting in their play calling, and this has been interesting the last couple of weeks. And, and you're right, give Josh Gaddis, you know, first-time play caller, first-time offensive coordinator, a lot of credit, Mike, and um, it, he has been calling interesting games, and it, it really goes hand-in-hand hand with the, the fact that they, they haven't turned over the ball. They really haven't. I mean, you know, I was just looking back at the stats. Before that Penn State game, I remember I did a chart, and it was – you know, they'd fumbled 17 times, lost nine, and mm-hmm. and was breaking down who had what. And there were, you know, there were four interceptions heading to that game. And then since then, those five games, they've had five fumbles and only lost one. And then there's been two interceptions. I mean, Shea had one uh, against Indiana. So when you have that, that lack of turnovers, like, you know, that, that really defined the early part of the season, Josh Gaddis has been able to flex his muscles a little bit with his play calling and, and be creative and, um, there's just a, a rhythm there now and a, and a comfort level, I think, for Shea Patterson, particularly these last couple games. And, um, and and you're right. I mean, it's a great that's a great point about the run game. And, you know, I think we just get so locked into, what well, they're not running the ball. You know, they're not getting 150 yards a game. And, well, they don't have to. And, and, and getting the ball, getting touchdowns through the air is, is a really nice option. Yeah, I know we'll talk about Ohio State going forward here, but, you know, I do think they do have to find a little more balance. But, um but for now, this seems to be working just fine for them. You yeah, know, let's talk about Shea Patterson for a minute because I really feel good for the kid. You go back to the beginning of the season, first three or four games, he was hurt. We knew that. We didn't know to what degree, I don't think. But I know talking to fans, getting emails, it was, this Shea Patterson's not a five-star. He's not an NFL quarterback, yada, yada, yada. But now, as Jim said, he's ascending. Jim likes that word. And yes. It's hard to pick apart his game right now, his leadership, the way he's throwing the ball, his presence on the field. He has just been outstanding, hasn't he? He has. And he's just uh, really gained confidence. And, you know, I think that Jim was a little frustrated last week heading into this Indiana game when, you know, people, the players have said it, Mike. It's not just us in the, in the, in the media saying, well, it's ever since that second half of the, the Penn State game, the players have said it. And, and Jim got a little irritated saying, well, look, I don't, I don't think there's one time. It's just been a gradual process. But I really think you can look at a different offense, and that goes back to a different Shea Patterson after that game. And, you know, he almost led that comeback. They had a touchdown on the hands there though, that was dropped in the in, on fourth down, they had a chance to, to overcome a 21 nothing deficit. And I think they got that, you know, we can do it kind of confidence. And, and that comes from Shea Patterson. And, you know, I think these last two games, certainly, you know, I say that they have to give him a lot of confidence, and it does. I mean, he mm-hmm. carries himself the same way all the time, though, Mike. I mean, I, I've never seen him down. You know, he's not like Eeyore. 
and he's uh, and he doesn't get overly up, up, up after a, a big performance. I mean, he's sitting there after the Indiana game, and, and even and even the week before after Michigan State. Even though you know he'll say in the most monotone voice, "That was you know the greatest game I've been part of," or "I'm so happy to be part of it." <laughs> you just don't get it. You don't really detect any you know range of emotion with him. But um, but you do see that the players respect him, and they like being with him. They like playing for him and with him. And um, you know he may not be effusive in in his enthusiasm and oh yeah you know I did this today, but that's who he is. And so it's nice to see someone who is not about Shea Patterson um, getting this kind of success, going into the biggest game of the season now. And I mean, you know, he's had 750 yards and nine touchdowns in the last two games. That that's pretty impressive, and and has to give him all sorts of confidence going into this this last one. And and I did an interview with him last December when he said he was coming back to Michigan, mm-hmm. and and he said it was that game that that loss at Ohio State that really stuck with him, and he didn't want to go out with that on his record, on his resume. And uh, who knows what the outcome will be Saturday, but he wants another chance to write that. Yeah, they're all feeding off yeah. of him. Oh, absolutely. And he's playing his best ball right now, as we as we know. Uh, over on the defensive side, though, I want to talk about that for a minute, Angelique. I thought, I thought IU had a good game plan on Saturday early, and then Don Brown made whatever adjustments he makes, and he's been doing that this year, where you, know, you see a couple of series from the opposition they have success, and then kaboom, he makes some adjustments. The defense, I think, what was it, 280 yards total offense uh, Indiana had, at least late, that's what they had. But, again, another very, very solid performance from the D. Oh, yeah. I mean, I looked at their numbers uh, nationally, and, and I had the uh, the stats from after the Wisconsin game, you know, when they gave up all the rushing yards, and um, they were ranked 47th nationally. With, they were giving up 343 uh, yards a game. Now they're up to fourth and 267, and and I think everybody remembers that performance uh, that Jonathan Taylor had against Michigan, and, and Michigan comes out of that game after three games, you're ranked 114th against the run. Now they're up to 13th, and they have just shut things down. They they're not letting people do what they want to do. Yes, you know there's there's some wiggle room early. Michigan State scored first. Indiana obviously moved the ball. And then they've made adjustments. And, you know, talking to different people, uh, coaches, people who have prepared for Michigan, what they have told me is that, you know, the personnel, maybe the defensive personnel is good. It's not what it has been the last couple of years that, that Don Brown's worked with, but he has done more. And I don't want to say more with less because I, I, I don't mean to disparage the talent at all. I just, what I was, what I've been told is that he has, He's just schemed more. He's, he's made it more diverse, obviously more zone. And he learned from that Ohio State game last year. When everyone's saying, well, is he going to be stubborn and not change? Well, he, he did change. He, did, uh, he didn't go you know, full bore one way or the other, but he incorporated. And I think that's what offensive coordinators are seeing now, is that there's more to this Michigan defense. Maybe the personnel across the board isn't as good. You don't have a Devin Bush yet. You don't have Rashawn Deere or Chase Winovich yet. But you have some pretty good players and a pretty good defensive mind that's uh, that's making it tougher for them because he's scheming differently. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge Don Brown fan. Love what he's done ever since he's been here. But I think that that's the schematic changes this year. That's very okay. true. Brian Kelly talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He said, 
Ian Book, and he said the entire offense was very, very confused by that zone package Michigan was using on them because they wanted to hit that defense with the crossing routes, uh, which, you know, really haven't been working this year because of those changes. And Urban Meyer, of all people, mentioned that yesterday also. He said those zone packages have taken away a lot of what hurt that defense last year. Absolutely. And, you know, I I think, you know, Don Brown, I think it's tired of hearing the the, – Armchair quarterbacks, I think who called it yesterday, the couch quarterbacks, one of the players <laughs> called the couch quarterbacks, or couch coaches, pardon me, couch coaches. And, you know, he, he hears the stuff. I mean, he hears people criticizing him for not being willing to change and, and, and just, you know, just sticking with what he wants all the time without really thinking about options. And I, I don't think he took that to heart. I think he knew. I mean, he saw what happened in Columbus last year. And, and like you said, Mike, I mean, you're a big fan of his. He's, he's a smart guy, and he's considered that across the country as, as one of the top defensive minds. And, um, you know, I, I think that that was a wake-up call, certainly. And, you know, I, I, you can say the bowl game, too, but I always sort of write off the bowl game. I think we talked about that earlier mm-hmm. this year. I mean, I, I just don't think that's a fair assessment with players missing. But that Ohio State game gave them a blueprint for what they needed to do. I mean, obviously, Ohio State – saw what Indiana had done the week before, and, and even you know, even looking at that first half that Northwestern had against Michigan last year, they saw what was effective against this defense, and, and Don Brown learned. And, um, you know, the good coaches, though, I'm sure Ohio State has a, has a wrinkle, something that, that they're going to try to attack Michigan's defense, and you think that, um, that Don Brown's got a lot of up, up his sleeve, too. He's got a lot of time to think about that game last year, kind of like the Penn State game from a couple of years ago that kept him up every night or you know he woke up thinking about it so i'm sure he's had the same thing with that ohio state game from last year well here with us on our game day segment uh, as we get ready for the game angelique shingellers from the detroit news so let's talk about what's going to happen this saturday angelique the game you know i've actually seen quite a bit of ohio state this year and they're scary i mean very impressive until saturday uh they yep they almost looked human against Penn State. Yes, they had turnovers, but they were finally tested by a pretty good team. Whatever you think about Penn State, they are a solid team. They are a solid team. And, you know, James Franklin had them ready to go in Columbus, and I saw part of that game. And, yeah, but, you know, I I don't think we can gloss over those turnovers. Those are critical. I mean, look how much they affected Michigan earlier this year. And, you know, that's why I look at this team and, and think, well, you know, if, if it's a close game on Saturday, that, that's when the turnovers become so key. And, you know, maybe Michigan gets a turnover and, and pounces on it and, and gets that, that lead or extends a lead against Ohio State. And, that, and that's, you know, it's hard to find an Achilles heel with this team. I, I mean, you know, you just look at there, they've got J.K. Dobbins. I mean, they got Justin Fields who's playing great. I mean, he's almost – what, almost 70% of his passes, he's yeah. 33 touchdowns, and K.J. Hill and Alave. I mean, it's. I've been talking to a bunch of former Michigan players and, you know, about the frustration of, of not beating this team for such a long stretch. And it's like, you know, they, they lose one guy, and they've got another All-American stepping in and, and filling that void. And that's, that's kudos to their recruiting and, and the efforts that they've made to, to really have such a deep – deep team personnel wise but um but yeah they did look they did look human on saturday and uh will they be human on on this saturday i mean time will tell obviously but you know if they, people say well they won't be motivated 
everybody wants up a Big Ten championship berth, but I just think Ryan Day gets it too. I mean, he he knows. He had a pre- predecessor in Urban Day, Urban Meyer, pardon me, who knew what this rivalry was all about, and I think Ryan Day has has absorbed that. And um, I I would imagine they'll be coming out you know, really fired up in in Ann Arbor on Saturday. You know, until Saturday though, this past Saturday, I th- I thought this Buckeye team was just unbeatable. There was just no mm-hmm. question about it. And they still might be. I think a lot of those unforced errors, uh, those turnovers really hurt them. But you can clean that up, I think. I can still see Michigan now because of what we've seen since, as we mentioned, halftime or the second half of the Penn State game. I can still see them giving Ohio State a game on Saturday. Oh, I can too. I, I just think the, for Michigan, the, the margin of error is, is zero. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's really slim. They cannot, can't get behind. I mean, they can't do a... You know, have a have a deficit like they had on the road both times at Wisconsin and Penn State, and uh, you know, here's Aiden Hutchinson saying something similar to what you just said, Mike. That um, you know, they're not unbeatable. Everybody can, you know, this they can beat anybody, and uh, that Michigan can. And um, you know, he was saying that they don't panic if they give up a score like they did in Michigan State, Indiana. They don't panic this defense. Yeah, but I think it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge against Ohio State just because of the machine it is. And, uh, I mean, this is, you know, their, their first, uh, I mean, their what, uh, first scoring offense, number one, for almost 50 points a game. I yeah. mean, they, they've just got so many different weapons. And um, But I do, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, sometimes you wonder if it's just you know, the people you're flying back with from a game and, and – there are a lot of Michigan fans who feel really confident, but it's quiet confidence. Uh, I feel like uh, you know, I don't think anyone's saying they're going to win, but I think they're saying it could be competitive, and that's where like a turnover uh, kicking game comes in and, and really becomes the moment that decides the game. Um, it'll be interesting because, you know, like you look back at last year, and that game was competitive uh, yeah, through the first half, I think, right? I mean, right, right. And you think 39 points would be enough to beat anybody. And Ohio State just had more. So I do. I agree with you. I, I do think that uh, I would not write Michigan off in this game at all. No, you're right. They have uh, a zero margin for, for error, though, in this game. And the one thing I, I know Jim will preach this all week, they have got to get out there and get a fast start. You do yes. not want to play from behind against this team. Absolutely not. I mean, that, that's critical, especially in your home stadium and get the crowd in it. Uh, you don't want to see, you don't want a deflated Michigan Stadium crowd because that's just not going to, to carry this team. And, and not, that it's, not that this team needs that, but um, certainly I, you know what a, what a boost it is for these mm-hmm. players when they're playing at home. And Shea Patterson's got that record at home. Uh, he doesn't want to see that blemished. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you're absolutely right. They, they just cannot get in a hole because, uh, you know, they, had, they almost did it at Penn State on the road in a whiteout that was – you know, really something else, but uh, this again is a different beast. In Ohio State is, is just a different team and a different animal than than uh, Wisconsin or Penn State. No, absolutely, whole different kind of a an animal, as you said. And I thought it was interesting on on Saturday's TV coverage. Uh, Todd Blackledge uh, was asked if does Michigan athletically match up with Ohio State, and um, right away I said no, not right now we don't. But but he said there's no doubt in his mind Michigan does match up. Again, he pointed out what you said. There is no margin for error, but athletically, this team is pretty close to matching up. Do you think that's true? I think it's close. I mean, I, I think that, 
I think Ohio State still has the advantage personnel-wise, and I, I hate saying that because it sounds like I'm saying I, I don't think Michigan has great talent. I really do. I think that you look at these receivers. I, I mm-hmm. mean, these freshmen, these young guys, I think are something else, and I just love their attitude and the way they approach the game and how much fun they're having playing. But, uh, you know, I like the running backs. I like, I like Haskins. I like Charbonnet. Is there a guy? I still, I'm still like someone who likes to have a, a just a premier back. You know, is there a J.K. Dobbins? I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. But they're close. They've got two guys who are really good. But they do. They have a. I've always, uh, always thought Shea Patterson's a very, very capable quarterback. I, you know, I'm not ready to crown Justin Fee king of the quarterbacks on Saturday. That Ohio State defense, though, Angelique, when you look at it, so it's just so loaded mm-hmm. up, especially in the secondary. Uh, but when I watched Saturday, Penn State moved the ball on them on the road with a backup center and a backup quarterback. So, you know, I'm starting to think that this Michigan offense really can have success. I don't know if it'll be sustained, but they're going to be able to get, they're going to have their chances against this defense. I think so, too. And I was just looking at the stats. I mean, they had, the Ohio State has 14 interceptions. This year, that that's pretty good, and then if they can neutralize Chase Young somehow, I mean that would be uh, pretty critical. I mean he's had uh, almost what twenty tackles for loss this year, and um, I mean he's such a dominating force, sixteen and a half sacks. I mean he's he's crazy good, as everybody knows. It's that's not a you know there's no breaking news there, but uh, but you're right. I mean I I think that that Penn State showed that I think they had uh, just under a hundred yards rushing. Um, so I don't think you you don't have to have a uh, you know just this crazy rushing game to to have a chance against Ohio State's defense. But I, I do think that that the way Michigan's offense is running right now and, and using those receivers, I think Nico Collins has to have a huge game. You have to use him a lot. They, I mean, he's he's their big body guy and and Peoples Jones too. These guys have to be very active in the offense. And I think the other thing you're seeing where Michigan's improved a lot is the, is the blocking. I mean, the receivers are blocking harder. The tight ends are, I mean, you've really seen it across the board that they've picked it up, that they're all doing their jobs. And, um, and that's really, I think, made them more effective on offense, Mike. And, and I think they're going to, they have to be able to sustain that against the, against this defense. Absolutely. And that's why I think the key matchup in this game Saturday, when Michigan has the ball is, uh, Michigan's receiving core against uh, that incredible secondary for Ohio State. And I know that sounds wacky. I don't know, though, that Ohio State has seen this many talented receivers on the field against them. No, you're absolutely right about that. And that and that's the that's the beauty of this. You know, they, they do have just so many different types of receivers and they can do different things. And, I mean, you look at Giles Jackson. That guy is like, I mean, he moves and, he, and he's tough to bring down and, um, yeah, I mean, Ronnie Bell is Ronnie Bell. I mean, what a, what a season he's had. And he finally got in the end zone on Saturday. Um, but, you know, all these guys, I just, uh, they really, he, and she's been moving the ball around a lot too. Uh, nine, nine different uh, receivers on Saturday against Indiana. So he's, he's got the options and he knows he does. And he's been getting time. He's been, the, the, the offensive line has really been giving him some protection. So, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, you know the how that matchup goes with the with the Ohio State secondary, but to me it all starts again up front with this Michigan offensive line and how much time are you going to give Shea to find these guys and to give them a chance to make those plays against this uh, this defense. You no, know, that is going to be a, a huge uh, question. We of course will see that answered on Saturday. The other question is in a, is over on that defensive side of the ball. 
Don Brown and his uh, staff so embarrassed after what happened last year. And you know he would like nothing better than to uh, get a semblance of revenge. And I don't know, you know, how you can... I don't think the Michigan defense or anyone can stop Ohio State, but you have to slow them down. And that makes... That means making Justin Fields uncomfortable. And again, with Michigan speed, I think that is very plausible. I do too. I mean, I, I really, I really do, and I, I agree with that. And you know, you got a guy like Mike Dana who's been rotating in a lot. I mean, they, they've been rotating players, and you know, I think the other thing we haven't talked about yet is this is this element now with with Greg Madison on the on the other mm-hmm, sideline. Mm-hmm. And how motivated these uh, these defensive linemen, the guys he coached and recruited to Michigan are. And I, I talked to uh, Chris Hutchinson a few weeks ago, you know, the, the great Michigan All-American defensive lineman whose son is starting defensive end, Aiden. Yeah. And, and he was saying, you know, when he played, he wasn't this fiery guy like Aiden is. I mean, he's just see Aiden, and he's just, like, always emotional. And, you know, I hope these guys can scale it back a little bit. He goes, they're going to be so fired up to see Greg Madison and he and Chris said he was he's hoping that that Aiden or he sort of suspects that Aiden will make a big play and then just go racing over to the Ohio State sideline to get in Greg's face <laughs> you, know, you gotta be able to, to that's great emotion to have but you gotta scale it back a little bit because that's you know that's not the game I mean it's not uh, proving something to Greg Madison but I do think that's going to be an interesting element to this game and, and how those players react and how how much more fire they're going to come out with. Because I really do think they're going to feed off of that. I think Chris Partridge, the same thing. He talked about being, you know, his mouth bloodied and then the blood's still in their mouths from last year. And, you know, even Jim Arbaugh saying, hey, we're not, you know, maybe, uh, maybe after I'm retired, I'll send to Greg Madison a Christmas card again, but that's not happening anytime soon. So I, I think that there's going to be that element, too, and how this Michigan defense uh, at least prepares this week. I mean, when we talk about locker room, I mean, part, pardon me, bulletin board uh, material, and, and really that doesn't have any, that doesn't play into the game, but it plays into how you prepare. Right. And, and I think that that'll get them motivated. But you are right, going back to your original point, Ohio State has a lot of weapons, and it, it's just about slowing. I, I, I think it is going to be hard to stop individuals like, like Dobbins and, and, uh, and Justin Fields, but. Um, I think they've got the guys, the kind of guys, the pass rushers who can do that. And um, I also think Cam McGrone's going to be a, have a big game. I, I really think he's going to be a, an integral part in, in, in what happens on Saturday, too. I really like the way he plays. And he's a little, been a little bit more um, kind of behind the scenes the last couple weeks. We haven't talked much about him, but I, I suspect he'll have a big game. Well, as we know, in the game, the biggest rivalry in college football, maybe even in sports, I would say in sports. Uh, other people will disagree mm-hmm. with that. But it means... I think so much more to Michigan right now, you know, after the way it's gone 14 of the last 15 years. And when you listen to Jim Harbaugh talk about it, I I don't sense that he's uh, stressed out or anxious about what's happening, but at least publicly. But I would Mm -hmm. think he has got to be churning uh, inside after what's happened for the last four years. How much pressure is on Jim Harbaugh, do you think, this week? I think there is. I mean, I think there's been pressure on him all season, and and he's delivered in these rivalry games so far. I mean, they played two, and I kept saying going in, if they can get if they could get two out of three rivalry games after those initial losses, I thought that would be a really good season. And now they've won two. I mean, they they want to get that third one, and and because it, it, it'll take it'll take so much pressure off of them. And you know, these guys are 
here's again, I keep mentioning Aiden Hutchinson. He's a guy who grew up here. He grew up in this, in, you know, being a Michigan fan from the time he was uh, an infant. And he hasn't, he hasn't seen success against their rivals. They, they need to, you know, you talk to all these players. Once you, you need to win once just to get that, to remember what it's like. And then it becomes contagious. And then, and then it's, you know, it doesn't make, doesn't mean they're going to win next year, but it, it does, it kind of gets them, it gets them thinking that this can snowball and, and they can do more and they can win again and again. And uh, because this is cyclical and I know people don't want to, you know, think of, think that that's the case, but Cooper, John Cooper was two ten and one against Michigan. And then, then Trestle came in and, and kind of changed the cycle again. So um, I do think that there's a lot of pressure on Jim Harbaugh. There's a lot of pressure on these players. They want to get that, that pressure off the program and uh, seven straight, you know, you got Urban Meyer on TV now, and he tweets every day, every week about, you know, seven and oh, eight and oh, nine and oh, and, mm. and that's all he has to say. And, um, but this week he's going to be saying seven and oh, because that was, that's what he did. And um, with Michigan, and you know, I think that this is, I think you're right. Jim Harbaugh is not going to flinch this week. He's not going to be emotional. He never is. But I, I suspect behind the scenes he is with the players. And I, I think that they all know that they've been preparing for this in some way every week. They didn't want to talk about it earlier this season, but it's not like it's not like this doesn't mean everything to them because it does, and and that's a lot of pressure for anybody. Well, final question for you, Angelique. Uh, Fifty years ago, uh, Michigan took down what most observers thought was the best Ohio State team ever. Uh, an unbeatable team, a team you even, I remember reading back then in the 60s that most NFL teams would have a hard time beating that Ohio State team. So this Ohio State team might not be that good, but a Michigan win on Saturday would rank right up there with beating the Bucks 50 years ago. Would you agree with that? I do. And, and talking to a lot of those guys who were on that, that 69 team, I, I mean, what they what they believe ultimately is that that win put Michigan back. Yes. I mean, it started this modern era of Michigan football and, and the 10 year war and, and, and everything that we all know about. And, and um, I think that they, they were intrigued by the similarities. I mean, I think they had a big win against Iowa uh, going into their Ohio state game and, and they were fired up right after the game. They all said, if, you know, they could have played Ohio state an hour later and they would have been dressing and ready to get back on the field and, and go play <laughs> then. And, and I think they see this this sort of similar, you know, they had lost Michigan State that season, and obviously Michigan won that game this year. But but having a pretty nice win the week before against Indiana, and um, you know, you, you saw some of those guys being a little fiery again. Aiden Hutchinson being one of them, and and Shea in his very low key way being uh, fired up about playing this team. But yeah, I mean, maybe this does start the, the next cycle, and and you know, maybe Michigan does. Um, become more dominant and, and not more dominant, but dominant in the series because they have they haven't been. And you know, I look back at those uh, Cooper teams too, Mike. I mean, those were those were great Ohio oh, State yeah. teams. Those were some outstanding teams that Michigan beat, ruined their season. And um, I, if this could be the start of something like that. And um, you know, it's easy to draw a lot of comparisons to that game 50 years ago. And they're going to be honored. They'll be the honorary captains on Saturday. And and they're having a reunion weekend, and I, you know, you ask all those guys, they would, they want to see, they would like nothing more than to cap off their reunion win with a win over Ohio State. And uh, you know, the truth is, that's what every Michigan fan wants to see right now. Every former player, 
And uh, I, I mean, it, it really, when you talk to them at their core, it disgusts them that, that they've had this, this downturn in, in the rivalry. And um, I, they just, they want to get back on that winning side for obvious reasons. And, and so do the fans. And um, you know, there is a lot of pressure. There's, there's a lot of pressure on Jim Harbaugh on these players, but that's why they play at Michigan, right? That's what they always say. So it's uh it's time to try to get it done again. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think a lot of fans are cynical because uh, 1969, 50 years ago, a lot of the fan base was just not around. So they think, yeah, right. right. I mean, okay, one time it was a big win, but it did, it did change the Michigan football for decades with that win. And those of us who were around then remember that no one gave Michigan a chance in that game. Absolutely no, no one. one. And in this game, the game, a rivalry game, a superhuman effort can get the job done and change things. And that really, at this point, is what Michigan needs to do. It's got to be a, an elevated effort like we haven't seen. No turnovers, but it is possible. It is possible. And and you think back to, like, in the spring, you know, what did, what did Bo do going into that first season? They taped the score from the previous the, the beatdown that Ohio State had given Michigan in 68. You know, they had that tape that was everywhere, you know, 50. It was what Ohio State scored and. And it was everywhere. They couldn't, these players couldn't escape that. They were embarrassed. And I was talking to a couple of guys who were on the freshman team in, in 68, and they saw that, and they, they looked at each other and they said, okay, this is not happening ever again. And then you fast forward to this year, 2019, in the spring, Jim Harbaugh gets these T-shirts made with, uh, with the three losses from last year, you know, the, with the scores. And I remember Ben Bredesen said, yeah, he – he already knew what the scores were. He threw that T-shirt in the bottom of his locker. Uh, Sean McCune said he kept that shirt up and he had it hanging in the tight ends room. <laughs> so, I mean, here's Harbaugh already from the spring trying different motivational tactics, and who knows what else he's done. You know, these guys are being tight-lipped about it, and, and they were in July at the Big Ten Media Days, and they just assured that, you know, people might think that they, they don't talk about Ohio State all the time, but they do. They're just not sharing it like the Ohio State players do and like Urban Meyer did. And um, it doesn't mean they don't care as much. It's just that they want to keep it in-house. And I totally respect that. But, um, you know, it, 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 that, that, those motivational tactics are great during practices. And do they play a role in the, in the game? Maybe. But, you know, you talk to all these players on that 69 team. They all said they didn't go in saying they were going to beat Ohio State, but they knew they could play with Ohio State because Bo had convinced them that they could play, that they'd done everything to prepare and prepared as hard as Ohio State had, and, and they believed that. And uh, and look what happened. I mean, it was, it really is still stunning to see you know Mandich being carried off and, and looking exhausted, and and just seeing their faces 50 years later. It, it's still a pretty remarkable um, moment in time. And and these guys of the 2019 version would love to have that moment too. Absolutely, it was a huge, huge moment for Michigan football and this team will get their chance uh, for another moment like that uh, this Saturday, so we shall see. With us on our game day segment this week as we uh, get ready for the game and everything that goes with it this week is beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News. And as we uh, mentioned at the top, this is the uh, ninth time in the last 10 years that you've joined us on our preview show, uh, Angelique. And always a pleasure to have you and 
We hope you have a, a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family, and it's going to be a great week, and we look forward to your next visit. Oh, Mike, thank you, and, and happy Thanksgiving, and it's going to be a great, uh, it's going to be a great crowd, I'm sure, on Saturday, and and I apologize for thinking you snubbed me the one year. I totally forgot <laughs> I was on the DL that year, so... Um, I apologize. I knew that you hadn't forgotten me one year. No, no, no. It never, is our so. favorite week, so I'm glad <laughs> we get to share that. Well, again, it's been a pleasure as always, Angelique, and we look forward to uh, our next visit. Thanks so much. Fit Kids is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits today, Brad Hawkins seems to be the only injury concern for this Saturday. Jim said he just doesn't know if he will be cleared to play. Other than that, as we've said the last few weeks, we are in great shape. There will be much written and said in the media this week about how Ohio State has dominated us over the last 15 years. Always remember, we hold the advantage in this series from a win-loss perspective. Yes, it has to change. And we as a program have to make it change. Will we get the monkey off our backs this Saturday and turn the tide in this series? Not many people think so, if we're being honest. And most of our fan base probably doesn't think so either. It only matters what the guys in the locker room think, though. It's time. I know they feel that way. They just have to go out on Saturday and play out of their minds and do it. It should be an incredible atmosphere. It always is in the game. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we will once again be joined by Tim May, longtime beat writer from the Columbus Dispatch and now the host of his very own podcast. So even though it's a busy Thanksgiving day, please remember to join us. That will do it for our game day show. In case you missed the Thursday program, let me wish each and every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the day with family and friends, watching the Lions lose again because you know they will, and be safe. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until Thursday, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.